Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, this past Wednesday, we just got back. Um, Donna Parker, Cheryl Goodman, myself, and about 25 others um, spent two weeks in Uganda with Tom Egham, who was our guest this morning. And... Um, <laughs> you win. <laughs> um, what an incredible experience. Uh, just can't put it into words. Um, but uh, Tom has just a great ministry with Hope for Kids International, uh, not only in Uganda, but now starting the same kind of work in Peru. Uh, Bruce Twomley went with him this summer. Uh, to Peru and uh, Romania, the King family went and uh, spent a couple weeks with him uh, this past August. So uh, we've got a lot. Of, in fact, how many here Northgaters have been on a trip with Tom? Just that are here this morning. Yeah, we got a few. Yeah. Every one of them will tell you it's something you can't put into words. You, you just can't. And you show the pictures and you try to describe it, but you can't. Um, Tom's been a good friend of Northgate for whew, almost since our very, very beginning, I think. And it's been a tradition to have him come uh, Thanksgiving weekend and share. And so um, we're glad to have Tom Egham with us this morning. So would you give him a warm welcome, would you please? Well, good morning. Wow. Could you screen uh, these... People who are signing up for Hope for Kids uh, trips a little more closely for me. What did I ever do? Wow. Well, it's, it's been a, a, a great year of people traveling with us from Northgate. Appreciate each one of you. Uh, we had Christine and Kevin also on the... Uh, he's a Harley Davidson man, so I can't forget him. Uh, and Marcy was also with us, so... Uh, in the Kings. Uh, I don't know who turned that family loose on me, but... Uh, uh, and then I'm not going to mention Donna and Cheryl because, wow. But uh, you see, they've all come back alive. Isn't that amazing? I mean, even Ken. And, and we did solve a problem. You know, Ken and Dave and Bruce had been with me in Cuba and we got kicked out. So we always thought it was Ken. But Bruce went to Peru with me, and we didn't get kicked out. Ken was in Uganda. We didn't get kicked out. So it seems that Dave, you're the one. So if you would go with me on another trip, we'll see if that's true, okay? All right, all right. Uh, but anyway, it's... Uh, uh, great to be home. And of course, it's, it's uh, a bit of a uh, culture shock to arrive home out of extreme poverty uh, in the kind of uh, ministry that we have in Uganda and to land the night before Thanksgiving and uh, then to jump into all the turkey and, and all the ads telling us what we need. So it's a bit of a shock to be here. So I hope I'm nice today. Uh, if I'm not, uh, it's a little bit of that. But first of all, uh, thank you, Northgate, for the impact you are having in the world. 
uh, I, I love the new place you have here. And I love that it's on a hill. And while we were praying this morning, I thought of a city on a hill cannot be hid. And you truly have let your light shine, uh, not just for this area, but throughout the world. So thank you. I know it takes all of us. Some of you have been supporting your sponsoring orphans, your sending. You helped send these who have gone this summer. So it's, it takes all of us. Uh, we have a church uh, that we're involved with down in Huntington Beach, and, and there are 60 people from that church going to Uganda with me this summer. And the way they're advertising it is they're sending 600 because that's the size of their church. And everybody's involved, from little kids to everyone. They've all got an assignment to be a part of this trip. And I love that. And I know that's the reality here, too, that many of you have prayed. You know, it was three years ago this weekend that I came back from my first trip to Uganda. And I could hardly talk because of what I had seen. I believe that weekend about 50 orphans were sponsored out of this church which was absolutely amazing. A number of gifts were given from this church to enable us to build our clinic there. So this church has had a significant impact, and I shared that with Ken on this trip. Uh, I appreciate the partnership. And then finally, I want to uh, thank you for your prayers this last year uh, when I've faced a battle of cancer. And uh, many of you have uh, sent emails or notes and and I, I know the church has been praying, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a, a rough road, and we need continued prayers. This week I uh, go in tomorrow, actually, for some further biopsies and a little surgery procedure. And, and uh, we're praying and believing that uh, this is going to be uh, finished here in the next months because uh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was tough being home and watching uh, the teens go and, uh, but I learned a lot of lessons. And, uh, you know, it's like a learning curve like this when you are going through something like that. So uh, thank you for praying. You know, it was so humbling to hear from people, not just from the U.S., but from around the world. I heard from the Cubans. I heard from uh, Romanians, Russians, uh, Africans. And it was so humbling to hear that churches were fasting and praying. People I, I didn't even know. People that were in extreme poverty themselves that were uh, praying and fasting. Uh, in July, I was able to make uh, a, a week-long trip to Uganda to join our team that was there uh, with my wife, Sarah. And uh, when we heard there was going to be a celebration service, and we were still about a mile from the uh, site where uh, we have a 22-acre site with our hospital and and uh, schools and, and church and orphan uh, store and, and orphan offices and our guest house and all of that. And, and I saw motorcycles and bicycles and people running in the streets with signs on the highway. And I said to the pastor, I said, they're protesting. What's going on? And then he turned around and smiled and he said, it's for you. And I realized it was a parade of people with banners that God has heard our prayers. And just very humbling experience to then come to the site and and see hundreds of people there waiting and uh they uh, walked sarah and i up the aisle on this white cloth or paper you know like a wedding it was actually fancier than our wedding had been and uh uh the orphan choir was singing up front i mean it was it was uh, something else to be a part of 
And then to hear the testimonies of people praying. And one of them, which uh, uh, Donna and Cheryl and Ken and I know now, uh, her name is uh, Teddy, uh, a leader there, a young lady, uh, was during the worship, she was uh, worshiping uh, in an extravagant way. Uh, kind of crazy, actually. And I told her afterwards, I said, uh, Teddy, you got a little crazy in the worship, you know. And she said, well, here's what ha- or why. She said, when I heard you, ha- you had cancer, she said, I fasted and prayed six days without food or water. I don't know how that's possible. She said, I suffered much and I became very weak. And now that I see you, my joy must be greater than my suffering. I had never heard of such sacrifice and passion and, and love. And I, I was overwhelmed to know that people would go to that extreme to pray for someone that they only briefly knew. So I know God has heard our prayer and I know uh, that continued healing is on its way and, and uh, uh, he's increasing our vision for what difference we can make in this world. But you tend to learn so much. You know, probably the most often qu- asked question is why go over there when there's such need here in this country? And I know there is need everywhere. So why not just focus here? And here's my response. Because my heart and focus is toward over a billion people who live on this planet who do not even have the basics. And here's what I mean. They do not have access to fresh water, clean water. So kids die by the thousands every day from dysentery. They do not have the basics of adequate food. And they do not have the basics of adequate shelter. And they do not have the basics of health care, of any medicine at all. That's a billion that don't have the basics. And because the last 33 years, most of my time has been spent in an international focus, that's where my heart is. Now, I want to say that when I'm asked that question, I am not concerned whether you are going internationally. What I'm concerned about is that you're making a difference someplace. And so I often turn that question around. And I say, tell me, what organization are you sacrificially giving to or volunteering for here in your area? And the sad thing is, the majority will say, I'm not involved anywhere. So why the question? The point is that we who are followers of Christ I believe by living out the basic Christian life, we'll be making a difference someplace. And if we're not, we need to look at where our heart is and where our motives are and where our love for God is. Because the Bible says that if we see someone in need and do not care, how does the love of God even dwell in us? So my passion over these years has been to encourage people to get involved somewhere. And it's just as noble if you're going in this city or in the, across the bridge as it is across the sea. But the important thing is, 
Are we using the resources He's given us? Are we using the gifts He's given us? Are we giving all that He's given us for the purpose of making a difference in this world? There are hundreds of great organizations here in the States. I've been interviewed on some radio stations in our area of Phoenix where I live, and the question was asked to me a number of times, uh, why are you there and not here? And I turn it around and say, show me a child in this country who cannot find medicine. Show me a child in this country who does not have access to clean water. Show me a child in this country that can't find food. And I will go there. There are great organizations in this country taking care of people. But they need finances. They need volunteers. We can be that per- those people. So my encouragement, especially in this season, is that we really resist this whole barrage that's coming toward us of things that we need and what will make us happy. Because that leads to emptiness. We have just come from a people who have nothing. Not even the basics. Until we dug a well in the community in which I'm speaking, they had to go almost a mile and a half to find water. We've just left to people that in their community, three miles away, we visited a hospital where people go to die because it's absolutely filthy. Kids on IVs laying on the floor. Filthy conditions. And our translator said to us, this is a place people come to die. But at True Vine, which is the name of our project there, he said, we're no longer dying. When we get malaria, we go, they give us the vaccinations, and we're on our way. That was so good to hear. He said, you've given us hope to live one more day. So when you come out of that environment to this, it's quite a transition. And then you realize how blessed we are. First of all, I hope you have grateful hearts. I hope you don't complain about what we have. Because we are a small minority about... What we experience, only about 5% of the world experiences as far as what is available to us. So first of all, that we have a grateful heart to God, to, to those around us, that we have so much. And then that we realize that God has allowed this for us, for His purpose. You see, here's the way I look at it. It's kind of in a nutshell... This is not the world God intended when He created this. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, sin came on this world and we live in a fallen world. Now, I believe that Jesus came to reform this world. He came to feed the sick, I mean to feed the hungry. He came to heal the sick. He was restoring what God had intended. What is our purpose? Just to get ready to go to heaven? 
kind of check out and hide and get what we can and then go? Wow, what a waste, if that's what it is. What it is is that now we are Christ's representatives. We are to bring the kingdom of God to our world, our school, our place of work, our communities, our nation, our world, to restore. So what, what is that? It means when you see an injustice, you do everything you can to make it right. I remember meeting with the government officials in Uganda before we built our clinic three years ago. And I began to tell the plans that we would have. And one of the government uh, officials said to me, uh, we haven't stopped to pray yet. That was refreshing. <laughs> and so we prayed. I saw him in our celebration last Saturday when the Minister of Health from the President's office was there to dedicate our new hospital. I heard the same words from the highest medical person, be our Surgeon General, say, without the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope you're giving is empty. The government officials there said, every pill you give, give in the name of Jesus. Well, that was different. But I like that because that's what it's about. Restoring. It's about bringing the kingdom of God, giving them a glimpse of what God had intended. So when I see an injustice like a child without water, I want to dig wells. When I see a child without clothes, I want to bring them clothes. Without shoes, I want to put protection on their feet so they will not get the disease up through their feet from the soil. When I see them without medicine, I want to see them vaccinated. I want to see them have medicine available to them when they are sick. Because I often think, God, if, if you created each one of us equally, and if you were indeed our, our Father, is it fair, is it right that because I was born in this great nation... I should get all of this and then I look at the rest of the world and say, oh, it's just Africa? It's just Peru, South America? What does that have to do with me? Well, what has to do with me is they are God's creation. Equally as important as you and me. Why did God allow us to be born here with all of which we've been born with, and then these people with nothing, not even the basics. Could it be that God expected that those He would pour out the blessing on would be good stewards and take it to the others and make a difference, bring healing, bring hope, say we're in this together? Boy, just look at those pictures, can I... I mean, it's very personal now, isn't it? We know those kids. That's no longer just these African kids. These are kids we know by name. We've been with them. We've heard their laughter when there should be no laughter. When you realize that two million of those little guys in Uganda have lost their parents because of AIDS. There should be 
a silence among these kids, but you hear this laughter. It's contagious. And you see your own children in them, and you think, how can I bring more hope? How can we break this cycle of poverty? That's why one of our first-line priorities is making sure they're in school. A lot of them couldn't be in school because they didn't have a basic uniform. The little purple-white shirts you saw in the pictures, that's the local school uniform. Well, I believe that God desires to use each one of us in greater ways than before. I did not walk away this week when we left there thinking, wow, we've really done a significant thing. I walked away thinking, we've just started. It's like a drop in the bucket. What more can we do? Check out our website or or grab our literature out back. You can sponsor an orphan. We took on 160 more orphans. Remember when I came here three years ago and I said I have 33 orphans? Now we have 900 just in Uganda alone. So the need is great. Uh, There are so many kids that are orphaned. We've now lowered the new, the age that we're accepting new orphans. They have to show a death certificate of their father. And they have to be under 10 years of age because the numbers are too great. We just can't handle them. We could literally pick up thousands immediately just in that area because of the death that's going on. I want to give you a glimpse before I close into Peru because Peru is our latest project. And I I was shocked when we were there this summer at the level of of poverty because when you come out of Africa you don't expect to see the level of poverty that that we saw there let me give you a a few pictures a little glimpse here of what it looks like in Peru first of all we're in Trujillo which is a, a city about an hour's flight north of Peru it's right on the beach but the problem is the beach goes all the way to the mountain as you can see in these pictures it's a desert a desolate desert People come to the edge of the city and settle. Let me show you the next picture here shows a typical shelter that they'll make. If they make a shelter in the sand and build something a little more permanent, the government will actually give them that little plot. It's about just a little bigger than this shack you see. Then as as it progresses, they uh, uh, are able to have that land and upbuilds this community. There's hundred, over 100,000 people living around this city. Let me show you the next one here. Um, this is a local school. You can see the, the ceiling is just, uh, well, it doesn't hold out any rain or anything. Uh, and we were able to buy uh, chairs and tables and equipment for this school. We're also involved in a project building community centers. This next picture shows uh, us building... Uh, these uh, uh, community centers in in six locations uh, along with an organization that we're partnering with there. Uh, Our next step is that we committed to build six medical clinics that will be right alongside uh, this um, uh, facility. And we've now uh, received funding for all six of them from individuals who have traveled with us, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, The next picture will show us uh, when we do these VBS outreaches, and this is uh, 
a sample of the kids that we see. You know what's amazing? We visited schools. And I, every school I went to, I said, what is your most critical need? And they said, kids are hungry. They can't concentrate. They're, they're hungry. We went to one village school, and they said, don't bring us soccer balls because our kids are too weak to play. I visited home after home. And every place I went, when I asked the moms, what do you need? I thought maybe they would like a roof on their house, maybe a window in their you know, house. Every single one said, I can't feed my kids. And you can see this desolate sand area. There's no way, there's no source of water. There's no sewer. There's nothing available there for them to raise their own unless they just uh, get water out of a cistern, which they pay for, and hand water some little plant. So we're getting involved in starting a feeding center now so the kids can have a place to eat before they go to school. We're sponsoring orphans in that area. Uh, and and uh, they're, they're not orphans. They're, they're kids of need, I should say. A lot of them, their fathers have disappeared, taken off, maybe gotten involved in another family or something, but the, the need is desperate. Let me see what the next picture is. This is a little boy named Elmer that we found that was brought to us. And, uh, you know, when I see kids like this, I, my heart is really moved. Because I think, you know, it wouldn't take a lot to change this little boy's life. So we were able to, uh, we have an emergency medical fund, and we were able to, out of that fund, uh, pay just at $1,000 to uh, have Elmer operated on. And a few weeks ago, I got this recent picture of Elmer. Is that? The difference you can make in a life for so little, I guess, is, is, is what, I, what I realize. There's so much we can do with so little. Um, we're building these medical clinics for $8,000 because we met with the medical community, and they said, if you build them, We'll, f we'll fund them and provide the, the, the medical personnel. We went to the trade schools. They said, if you buy the materials, we'll build them and teach the local men how to build. So we're seeing a miracle happen. So by the time we get there this spring, we'll see uh, some of those uh, clinics in place. Uh, lastly, did I already say that? You thought I was done? Uh, uh, the projects we have in Romania are, are as desperate. We're involved in two gypsy villages there. Uh, the King family traveled with us this summer. Maybe you've heard from them. Uh, we painted a school there. We're putting effort into uh, educating those kids. We know that's the, that's the key to get them out of the uh, cycle of poverty. Uh, we're going to build a medical clinic there in both of those villages. We're going to dig wells. They don't have a source of well within about uh, at least a mile, maybe further away. Uh, there's no sewer. There's, no, uh, uh, there's not much of anything. And we want to respond to that. And in the middle of that, we're able to share Christ and, and talk about Christ. I asked our pastor who heads up the Uganda Project, I said, how many people have come to Christ in the last three years since we started this project? And he said, conservatively speaking, at least 3,000. You see, 
When a child is hungry, you can't talk to him about eternity because tomorrow's a long way off. But when you show it, uh, it's hard to resist because you know there has to be a God that cares because He brought you. Well, search your hearts this morning and ask God to show you His design for your life. I'm concerned about the poor, but I'm just as concerned about us living in this nation. Because it's so easy to get caught up to think the Christian life means just kind of living a good life, not doing the bad things, raising a nice family, and then retiring. And that's a wasted life. God has more, much more, than you can ever dream. And I think all of you who have traveled on missions can testify and say, wow, we were out there. We were out on the edge. We saw God use us. We saw His plan for us. We saw hope brought to people. If we miss that, ooh, we're, we're letting it all pass by without really knowing God's purpose. So let's search our hearts and say, God, I don't want to waste my life. I want you to use me to make a, make a difference, to bring and restore your kingdom to this world around me. Loving God, thank you so much for your mercy because your mercy is great on this nation, on us as a people living in this nation. We are so grateful for what you have entrusted us. Now we ask that you would send us from this place with a new vision, with a new passion, with a new heart, to say, God, how can you use me to bring your kingdom to this world? Fill us with creative ideas. Help us to use the gifts you've given us, not only our financial gifts, but the experience we have, the training we have, the education we have, to be able to put our lives into those who can multiply who we are. We're excited about this journey that you have us on. Now lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.